Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Thank you, thank you. All right. (laughs) All right. It's true, I'm moving. I... And right now, I'm, I've been moving for so long, it feels like, that I, I'm just, I can't really see people as much as, like, things to put in boxes. <laughs> so, if, I, if afterwards, when you, if you come in for a hug and I try to fold you, that's why. Because <laughs> it's, it's that bad. <laughs> All right, well, um, so tonight I want to... Um, I want to talk to you about a, um, a really, really broad, big topic. This is, a, this is a really, for me, a really important, really, really broad topic. And I am, um, in fact, I think most of these kind of points that I'm going to be hitting today, I could probably do, do a whole talk on each one. Um, the goal here really tonight is to just kind of breeze through this subject, pick out some high points, and really just kind of cast some, some mindset and some perspective. For you guys, does that sound good? Cool. So I've I've heard this phrase a lot, and I've heard lots of different variations on this phrase, and I'm I'm sure it's one that you guys have heard. Um, and I uh, the, the the way that I have typically heard it sounds a little something like this. Uh, I've had a lot of preachers, you know, say some variant of, you know, we don't want to just go to church. We want to become the church. Yeah? Anyone ever hear something kind of like that before? Okay. Some variation, you know, hey, we don't want to just be, you know, good Christians. We want to become true sons of God. You know, different, different variations of, of things like that. And while most people will say, yeah, and amen, and that sounds good to that, I remember when I was, you know, a younger kid in church, I would hear these phrases I'm like, that sounds good, but I have no idea what that means or what to do with that. And so what, it, what I want to do is break down a little bit of what it, what it, what's the difference between just going to church, attending church, and actually becoming the church. Now, to understand that, I think we need to know what is the church. Is it this building that we're in right now? I got some no's, all right? <laughs> so it's probably no on that one. Is it the people that are sitting in this room right now? <laughs> Tentative, yes, okay, maybe. Well, if half the people that are here weren't here right now, would this still be the church? <laughs> Steve said, I hope so. <laughs> what, what, is, what is the church? Now, I... I did a little bit of word research in, into this, and this is you know, a topic that's, that's greatly debated. Even this little uh, snippet that I'm going to attack right now is, is something that's really highly debated. So you're, you're getting the Blake Healy version of what the church is, at least today anyway. Um, so in the Bible, when you see the word church, most of the time it is a word called, a, a, ooh, I just totally blanked on how to say it, ecclesia. Ecclesia, anyone ever heard that word before? Ecclesia, that is the Greek word that they typically translate as church. Now, what an ecclesia was back in uh, ancient times was 
an assembly of people. It was an assembly of people in Greek culture. And think of it as like a town hall meeting or a senate meeting, something kind of like that. Now, it varied depending on whether it was a city-state or like a wider government thing or just a town thing. But basically, it's a gathering of people. Now, what they used to do for these gatherings is the, the, the ecclesia in particular was the time when anyone who was allowed to vote would gather, to, could d- gather together and come to the meeting place where the government was, and they could both hear what the, the direction and the laws that they were trying to put into practice and also give input and give weight to those things. Does that make sense? So it was the time when anyone who was, was uh, the, the, you know, the right person or registered to vote could come in and do that. Now, what they used to do is they would send these messengers, depending on, you know, sometimes days or weeks in advance, if it was a more regional thing, they'd send these messengers out to run through the streets yelling and identifying these people and saying, hey, you who are approved to come to this meeting, you are being called out to come to this meeting right now. And so the literal translation of the word ecclesia means the called out ones. The called out ones. And it was referring to people who had been appointed to be called out to this meeting to represent uh, themselves for this whole body of people. And so... We know we can get these different ideas of what the church is, of it's the place where you go where the preacher is, you know, it's, it's the place I have to go every week to make sure that God's not upset with me. It's, you know, Christian school where I go to get educated about how Christianity works. You could think that it's all these things, but the, the original picture that we have for us is people who have been called out to come together, to congregate, to have authoritative involvement in the direction of the body that's being represented. Now, I think this is very, very important because when you know the context of what a relationship is, it sets the expectations. It it, it defines how we act and react as things come up, as things happen, and when you're in the presence of that person. Now, it's easier to picture this if you kind of bring it down to the small scale. Um, one of my favorite teachers, Danny Silk, um, when, he, when talking about relationship, uh, I've heard him say this statement probably 30 or 40 times in my life, but this past, uh, a few months ago when he was here, he said it again, and for some reason it just hit me a lot harder than it ever had before. And he said that, you know, now he's taking this to the, the scale of just individual relationships, but it, it applies on a grander scale. He said, every relationship has one of two goals either a safe distance or intimacy. Now, a safe distance isn't literally, you know, just I'm making a run for it the second you walk into the room. It's, you know, at what distance of relationship, at what distance of connection am I comfortable being around you? You know, hey, you know, an easy example would be like, oh, you know, I say hi to them and see how they're doing, but that's really the extent. I'm not necessarily going to invite them over for dinner next week or something like that. Or that dude's walking down the street. He's got a knife in each hand. I'm going to go the other direction. Safe distance, you know, different situations. Those are maybe a little bit of extreme different examples. But you get the idea. You get the idea. Um, Now, if the goal is a safe distance, I am using the information of everything that's happening in this relationship. Everything that I do, I mean, as silly as that example is, me seeing this person who doesn't look safe means 
if my goal is a safe distance because this is a stranger, that means that I am going to use the information I see about this person to react and to determine how far away I should be from this person, right? If my goal in the relationship is intimacy, well, then that changes the way that I experience and react to the things that happen. Let me put it this way. If someone with whom my goal is a safe distance does something that hurts my feelings, I use that as information to let me know at what distance I should be. If someone with whom my goal is intimacy hurts my feelings, then my reaction should be to bring that thing up to them and work it out together so that we can get past it and continue moving closer together. Does that make sense? Knowing what the goal is changes how I react, even if the exact same circumstances show up. Make sense? And so knowing the context of this relationship is very, very important. So if I think of church as a place that I need to go to keep God happy, you know, something as simple as that or variations of that, well, then I'm just kind of doing my chores, right? But if I treat this as the ecclesia, a place where I am actually carrying authority, where I have been called out because I have been chosen as a representative of my community, well, that changes the way that I react when I'm there, doesn't it? It changes what I expect and it changes the goal. So I want to touch on a few subjects that can bring at least a little bit of contrast to the difference between just being an attender, someone who just goes to church, and becoming the church, becoming the called out chosen ones of God gathering together. Sound good? All right, so these are just a few examples. Now, I want to be very clear as I go into these. These, this is not bad and then good. This isn't the good, the bad thing and then the good thing. This is just the first step and then the deeper place. Does that make sense? And here's one of the reasons that this is important. I believe that the, the enemy, the devil's first goal is to keep you from Jesus. He doesn't care what you choose or what you do in life as long as it's not Jesus. Do whatever you want. All this stuff is fine, but he's going to do whatever he can to keep you away from Jesus. Now, if he fails in that, if he cannot keep you away from Jesus, his next goal is to make sure that you get as little of the benefit of being connected with Jesus as possible. He's going to try to get in the way of you inheriting everything that Jesus won for you on the cross. And I believe that this is one area that I too often see people living day in, day out, week after week, not receiving the full benefit of what Jesus won for them on the cross. If you come to church and you're just attending, I'm, I'm not upset with you, but I'm very, very sad that you're missing out on the depth, on the, on the purposefulness that's available not because of us or because of any particular church, but because of what Jesus did and what he called you out for. Make sense? All right, so I'm gonna hit a few of these topics just so that we can kind of get a picture of what this, what this looks like. And so, very simple example. What's the one, when you're just attending a church, when you're going to church, what's one of the things you're looking for? You're looking for community. You're looking for your people. You're looking for people you can connect with. You're looking for people who are like-minded, who you can relate to. You want a sense of belonging, right? 
nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. That's a good thing to look for. But if your goal is to become the church, then we switch gears from looking for community to investing in community. As a, as a person who carries authority, as a person who is an ambassador of the kingdom, I am extending my ability to connect with people and creating and investing in connection with people. Does that make sense? It changes the context. I'm looking for those connections to just happen or I'm diving in, I'm willing to spend some of that precious time. I'm willing to spend a little bit of that uh, energy that it takes to get through the awkwardness of you know, talking to someone that you don't know. Because I have this goal, I have this understanding that I have the capacity and authority to invest in community. Make sense? I like the scripture here. Um, this is just Paul uh, in Ephesians talking about um, just how the body's meant to work together and how Jesus is the head and how just the, the body of Christ is just, just working together to represent him. And uh, I'm going to hit a couple scriptures so you can just kind of jot these down and review, review a little bit deeper later. But Ephesians 4.16 Again, talking about how Jesus is, is the head of the whole body and from whom the whole body joined together and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You showing up and being yourself actually expands your capacity and the people around you's capacity to experience and give love. Let me say that one more time. You, you showing up knowing that you have the authority to build and invest in community and connection with the people around you, it, it actually expands your ability and capacity to love and the ability for you to experience love, and it also does that for the people around you. So this, this is one that was challenging for me. I am... Um, when I, was, when I was a teenager and, and, a, and a younger kid especially, I, I had really severe social anxiety. I was just really hard for me to talk to new people and just get really nervous. And I'll just tell you a few stories. I ended up sharing these in first service for some reason. So it would be unfair if you guys didn't get these too. But, so they're slightly embarrassing, but it's all right. I feel very safe with you guys. I don't know why you laughed at that. I feel slightly less safe now. <laughs> um, but I'm going to keep going. Um, like, so for example, I remember I was, you know, going to drive down to this, uh, 16 years old, I was going to drive down to this electronic store to get something, and, you know, I'm going to call ahead, <laughs> you're laughing at me, this. <laughs> okay. I was going to drive down to this electronic store to get something, I wanted to call ahead to see if they had what I wanted, and I hung up six times when the guy on the line answered the phone, because I got too nervous to, like, I just forgot what I was supposed to say when you use the telephone. Oh, come on now. <laughs> and... I remember I was 17 years old, I, I had forgotten my bank card at home and I was getting gas at the gas station. And so I had to walk in where the human being was behind the counter <laughs> to buy gas. And I stood out there outside the sliding door for like a minute and a half contemplating stealing gas because I was scared to talk to this person and give them cash for gas. Like being drawn into sin in the weirdest way possible. <laughs> And so, and so because of that, it took an extreme amount of energy to interact with, especially people I didn't know very well. An extreme amount of energy and anxiety went into that. And what healed me of that was 
not going to college, was not getting out on my own and moving out of the house and, you know, getting into real life. It was not uh, getting a sales job. Uh, that made it worse, if anything. <laughs> well, I was a terrible salesman. I think I only got like pity sales. Like the person could tell that I was just so nervous that they're like, sure, I'll buy something from you. <laughs> oh man, over the phone too, terrible. Uh, um, it wasn't any of those things. What, what healed me of that was deepening my connection with Jesus and discovering how much he deeply and desperately loved every single one of the people around me. And I found that it's way less scary to talk to people that you're desperately in love with. If, if the goal is to just go to church, then I'm looking for the people that are easy to connect with. Again, not wrong, not bad. But there is a next level and there's a higher level where I know the authority that I have. And I realize that I'm connected to the king who has every single tool and bit of boldness and anointing that I need to create community around me, to invest, to know that I have something to give to invest in other people. Make sense? Another one is you, when we are just attending church, we tend to come to receive. And again, receiving is good and important, and in fact, vital, as I'll get to in just a moment. But as I start to become the church, I realize that receiving is just as important as giving. That I'm not just here to, to hear a good word, but I'm here to invest and give to the people around me, to recognize that I have a prophetic word for the person next to me, that I have uh, authority to pray into the life of the person next to me, that I have a message, that I have a personal experience with Jesus Christ that has value to the people around me. Now, it is important also to, to not get so focused on giving that we forget to receive. In fact, if some of you are like me, I oftentimes, especially when I was having some of those more social challenges, you know, the way I would get by at church was I would just serve at everything. You know, I'll help set up the chairs. I'll help with the, on the sound team. If I keep serving fast enough, I won't be able to talk to a person. It'll be great. Um, and, um, and I would... Give and give and give and give. And I remember in particular, there was this one season where the Holy Spirit was telling me to, uh, I was in uh, the church that I grew up in, and he was telling me to go to the school of ministry in Reading. And I said no to him for a whole year. And during that time, I was feeling disconnected with the Holy Spirit just because of, you know, not, not listening to him. And so I was just serving and serving and serving and giving and giving and giving. And I was just feeling so, so burnt out and tired. When we focus on just giving and giving and giving and forget how to receive, that eventually the only thing that we have to give away is old wine. Because we haven't received the new wine. We haven't received a refreshment. And old wine gets bitter fast. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yes, <laughs> I would drop the microphone, but it would <laughs> probably break. <laughs> so it's, but if we go the other extreme and we just get so focused on receiving that I need to get fed, that I need this all the time, that, that's, that's also a miss because it's meant to be given away. In fact, I'll, 
if, if, every, if you are feeling desperate for the Lord's presence every single time you come to church, like you're missing something, like you're, it's the desert time in between, uh, Jesus said he was going to give us water that we, from which we would never thirst again. So if you're feeling desperate in between, if you feel like it's mountaintop experience, dry season, mountaintop experience, dry season, you might be drinking the wrong water. It doesn't mean there won't be ups and downs in life, but we're meant to drink from a water that would make us never thirst again so that we know that we can give because we have a well that doesn't run dry. Because we have a confidence in this relationship where we know he's going to fill it again. But if I give, he'll fill it again. And if I'm overgiving, he's going to communicate to me and my community is going to communicate to me. We're going to create healthy receiving and giving over and over and over again. So, a balance of those two things. This is another fun scripture, Hebrews 10, 24, 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love, towards love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Just that we're, we're meant to build each other up, to invest in one another, to create life and love between one another. Another pattern I've noticed is that when we're just attending church, we often focus on looking to be pastored. Now, being pastored is really, really important. It's part of what the, the, the goal and job of the church is. But it's not the only goal of the church. And if we stay in this mindset of attending, we're always looking for someone with a, gift, with a pastoral gift, which one of the main graces that, that a five-fold pastor carries is they have a gift to teach people how to be fathered, how to be, how to be teachable, how to receive love, how to receive guidance, how to receive that, that mentor relationship. But as we move to be mature sons and daughters, as we move in from just attending church to becoming the church, Rather than just looking for someone who seeks me out and comforts me, I learn to seek out mothers and fathers around me. I learn to recognize the mothers and fathers in my midst and seek them out. I'm going to share one story really briefly with this. I, um, so during that time, it was, it was at the church that I had grew up at, I, um, during that year when I was, the Lord told me to go up to Reading and go to the school of ministry there, I, you know, I was feeling really disconnected from the Lord. I was uh, feeling disconnected from some of my friends. A bunch of my friends had moved up to go to the school that year, and so a lot of my friend group had just kind of disappeared. And one of the pastors at our church just grabbed me and started taking me out to lunch every week, sometimes two times a week. And he would talk, and he would invest in me, and he would, he would speak to me, and he would, he would just, um, just really connect with me. And again, just in a very giving, fatherly way. It was awesome. I felt so loved. And the following year, I finally listened to Jesus and went to the School of Ministry. Um, I recommend listening to Jesus when you have the opportunity. Um, works out better that way. Um, I went up there, and about two or three months into the school there, I just started feeling frustrated. I was feeling frustrated. I was feeling disconnected from, from the teachers, from the leaders there. I didn't really couldn't put my finger on why. I'm like, oh, the Teaching's good. These seem like cool people, you know, but I'm just not 
feeling connected. And I just heard the Holy Spirit say, you're not letting them father you. And in that moment, I connected to the experience that I had with the pastor at our church. And I realized that in being pastored like that, I actually had the authority to extend myself as a son towards these people that were teaching me and receive from them, even though I never went out to lunch with any of them or never, a lot of them never even talked like face to face. It was only a teacher-student relationship. But because I extended my heart as a son, I was able to receive something. Even though nothing changed externally, something changed in here and I was able to receive in a deep place because I learned how to think like a son. I learned to choose to be a son. Does that make sense? All right. This is the, the last one here, that I want, or last couple that I want to hit on. Um, a lot of times, and this, this can seem like it's attached to the community thing, but it's actually a little bit deeper. When you're attending church, a lot of times you're looking for your family. And that's a, that's a good thing. You know, you want to find your tribe. You want to find the people that you connect with that, that are carrying the same heartbeat as you. But as we move into becoming the church, then we learn how to make family. Now, there's basically two ways to enter a family. There's the passive way which is being born into or being adopted into a family. That's usually something you're not in control of. You're born into or adopted into a family. The only other way to come into a family is to marry in, right? At least legally speaking, anyway. <laughs> um, children are born into families, but adults marry into families. <laughs> And that's the family that you choose. So I am, um, <laughs> it was interesting because, you know, when we, there's something so powerful about choosing to marry a church. And before I dive into this, I want to make something really, really clear. This is not a sales pitch for you marrying Bethel Atlanta, just so you know. I, and, and part of this whole process, it's, it, it's frustrating to me because we, we get this idea that we, we all believe that oh, we're all you know, part of one body and some are the hand and some are the feet or some are the eye. But there's this belief that can get in our hearts that like all churches are like secret enemies. And if, you know, if people from here go over there, then it's like this bad thing, you know. And like if you're going to that other church and you walk out and your pastor's standing there, you're like, oh, no. <laughs> In fact, actually, I, um, I once had this, um, I, I'm one of the te teachers at the school, of Min or I'm actually the director of the school of ministry here, and I remember I was, um, I was golf carting down the road over there, and I am, if you're not from Peachtree City, it's a thing that happens over there. <laughs> um, I'm driving a golf cart around, and I drive by this church, and one of our students is, it's Sunday afternoon or something like that, and he's walking out from where the church is, and he sees me and freezes <laughs> Like, I just caught him walking out of a bad store or something like that. Like, like, like even like freeze mid-stride and everything. And he looks at me, he freezes, and I'm like confused as to what's going wrong right now. And I'm like, is there like a gorilla on the back of my car or something? What's going on? And, 
and he <laughs> looks at me and says, I'm just visiting. <laughs> and I finally put two and two together. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> that's not a big deal. You know, it's this, this you know, if... Uh, what, uh, I'll, I'll kind of tell a bit of my story, and then we can dive into this. So I, I started, we started going to a church when I was 12 years old that um, was really where, that, that was the church where I really l learned what my identity in Christ was. You know, that's where I, I learned how to prophesy. I learned how to pray for the sick. I, uh, it's, really, it's really where I matured in my relationship to the Lord. And it, it kind of from um, 12 years old to 19 was when I was there. It was an amazing church. I love the people there. I love the I love the pastor. I love uh, everything about it. I had history there, and you know, I had that season just like I said, where the Lord told me to go up to this school of ministry in Reading. And even one of the reasons that I didn't want to go was like I like my church. I don't need to go to that big fancy church over there. And I, we had visited other conferences and churches. I'd been to Morningstar. I'd been to IHOP and all these different places, and I loved them. They were awesome, you know. But I'm like, oh, this, th that, those places feel like my uncles and aunts or my brothers and sisters, you know. I love them, but they're not my family, you know. Or, or they're not my immediate family is more accurate. And so I, I, after my, uh, my year of not listening to the Lord, I um, went to the school of ministry up there. And as I was there, I just had this feeling burning in my heart the whole time of this is my tribe, these are my people. I'm, everything that I believe, everything that I'm going after, these people are going after too. Everything these people are saying is what the Holy Spirit has been saying to me for years. And I can just feel this thing rising in myself. These are my people. These are my people. And I went home after school, after first year for that summer. I knew I was going to go back to do second year at the school. And I just had this feeling, I didn't have any plans about this, but I had this feeling that I wasn't going to come back if I went to second year. Um, um, that turned out right, because it's been 13 years since then. Um, and I, I, there was two main pastors that I was really connected with there, and so I met with them and said, I, I just have this feeling, and I'm, I'm confused because I love this church that I grew up in. I love you guys so much, and, but I just feel myself. I, every, I told them this whole experience of everything they're saying is everything that I'm feeling the Holy Spirit say to me, and I'm feeling this draw. And in the middle of this kind of feeling of like, okay, now how does this work? Is this like sheep stealing? I'm... <laughs> I'm the sheep in this scenario, so I don't know, like, what my responsibility is here. This is, this is confusing. And so finally, the, I was drawn to that scripture that is describing marriage, where they say, a man leaves his father and mother and goes to create a new family with his wife. And I had, you know, we've all had those experiences, or at least heard of those experiences where, you know, the pattern is, you know, at the church, get hurt by the church, go to the next church, get hurt by the church, go to the next church. And this really wasn't that at all. I, I loved this place. But I was just feeling drawn. I realized, like, oh, this, this is the family that I was born into or adopted into. And this is the family that I'm choosing to marry, that I'm choosing to commit myself to, that I'm choosing to bind myself to. And, you know, I'm about 13 years into being uh, married to this church, if you will. And it's nice. Um, 
And so I, again, I, I want to encourage you in that whole conversation there that if, if Bethel Atlanta is a, a brother or a sister or an uncle to you, that's not a lesser thing. That's beautiful. That's right. That's awesome. And we don't, it's weird that we should feel like we have to tiptoe around that idea. Does that make sense? We should learn to celebrate that. But if, if you're dating us right now, uh, first I promise I wear a better shirt next time. Um, <laughs> it's a terrible joke. I don't know. The shirt's okay. Um, the, the one thing I will say is, so when my wife and I started dating, um, it took me a little while to convince her to date me. Uh, I know that's very shocking to all of you, but um, not, you're not as shocked as I think, but anyway. Um, and, you know, the main reason in retrospect, we've, we've been married for 10 years now, so it's going all right. Um, yeah. Now we're moving into a house and we got four kids and everything's quiet and peaceful all the time. <laughs> um, it's definitely fun and exciting all the time, though, I'll tell you that. Um, so when we were after, so it took actually six months before April would say yes to dating me. And the main reason that she had a hard time choosing, choosing whether or not she wanted to date me was um, she had been hurt in the past because she had had people, guys reject her. And she was so scared of hitting, of, of experiencing that pain again. And you know, I don't, April, April was my, my first girlfriend, and so I, I don't know if this was just uh, me being prophetic or being super naive, but I remember the first day that we had kind of had that d- defining the relationship talk, where I'm saying, hey, I'd like to, you know, date you and hang out with you. How's, how's that work? Um, <laughs> it wasn't much better than that, I promise you. <laughs> it definitely was not. <laughs> it's a long and terrifying story, but... <laughs> But 10 years, we made it. <laughs> um, <laughs> as, um, you know, she, and she said, you know, hey, we're in school of ministry together. It was just the beginning of second, our second year there. And she said, you know, what if, what if we break up? What if it's painful? What if it's awkward? And then we're in the same class all the time and it's weird. And every time we walk by each other, it's weird. What if, what if that? And again, I don't know if I was being prophetic or if I was being naive, but I said, that's not going to happen because we're going to choose for that not to happen Be- because you're an awesome person and I'm an awesome person. And so either we're awesome for each other or we're awesome for someone else and neither is a bad thing. And so I'm not leaving this until we walk away or walk together, both feeling like we've won. Um, I don't know how it would have gone the other way, but we got married, so <laughs> that worked out fine. Um, knowing what the goal of the relationship is determines the rules of engagement, determines what it looks like. And I want to, like I said, if you're called somewhere else, that's a beautiful thing, and I love that. The one challenge I will put you guys to today is if you are scared to marry a church and not a church in the false picture that we have built up from our history, but the ecclesia, the called out ones, 
the, the, the ones that God has called out to assemble together to enact his will upon the earth. I want to encourage you to go on a journey of discovering what it looks like to find the place that you're supposed to marry. Because the whole point of marriage is there is intimacy that you cannot experience with another human being except in the construct of, I promise to be with you forever. I promise to choose intimacy forever. It creates a safety where you can grow something that simply cannot grow anywhere else. And it's dangerous and it's scary, but it's so beautiful and so powerful. And it suddenly gets way less dangerous and way less scary when you realize that it's not your job to protect you. It's God's job to protect you. <laughs> and so, again, like I said, I don't care if that's this church or the church down the road. You know, it's because if you, if you, you know, get married to my, you know, uncle's kid or my, well, this is getting weird. Never mind. <laughs> All of the metaphors of that just, anyway. <laughs> How to make... Not related enough, but a little related. Anyway, you get the idea. It's, it's important for us to learn how to celebrate the body of Christ really and truly, not just with lip service, you know? All right. Last thing I'm going to say is, and I'm going to have you guys stand up because we're going we're gonna to wrap up here. Is this, this, again, this is about deciding what you're going to do. I believe that this is important because I believe that I've been hearing this from several other people and several other speakers, and it's I'm hearing it in enough of a variety of places that I, I'm really just feeling this, this groundswell of God wanting to release something, that I feel that the church is coming to a time and a season where they are going to have the opportunity to be the, the representatives of heaven that they, God has always intended them to be in, in an authoritative way that hasn't been possible for quite some time. And I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but I also know that what it looks like to have a voice and what it looks like to speak with authority looks, uh, is changing more now than it ever has in the entirety of human history, changing more rapidly for sure. And I believe that if the church, the ecclesia, is going to be the true representation of heaven that it is called and designed to be, that we need to choose to truly become the, the ecclesia, the assembly that has been called out by God. You know, in Scripture, another fun little word search for you is whenever Scripture calls us an ambassador, uh, a more accurate interpretation is not, not the word ambassador, but the word plenipotentiary. And that's why they chose ambassador. Because <laughs> language is hard. But an, an ambassador, as we know, is, is a diplomat who is sent to a foreign country to represent that country, right? That's the sim simplified version of that. A plenipotentiary is an ambassador who is sent with the authority to act independently, representing the voice of the king or queen that they have been sent from. That what they say is, after, is as if the king himself said it. Wow. 
we're just attending church, we feel like we are supposed to work at being a better Christian. If we are becoming the church, then we recognize that we have been called to become like Jesus and to represent him on the earth. Even the word Christian means little Christ. I'm just going to read the scripture over you and then we're going to pray. 2 Corinthians 3.18, one of my favorites. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. When we know what the goal is, it changes the way that we operate on the journey. When we know where we're going, when we know what he's called us to, it changes the rules of engagement. It changes the way that we expect when we come somewhere. So Lord, I thank you so much for these amazing people, Lord. I thank you so much for these ecclesia, these people who have been called out to the assembly, who have been called out to enact the, and represent the authority of heaven. I just release the grace to have our minds be transformed from our, our experiential image of what the church is and for our minds to be renewed with heaven's design for his perfect church representing his kingdom on the earth. I release the authority of Jesus Christ on every single one of us. We say that no lie of the enemy can limit our experience with our inheritance. I release grace to change the way that I think when I walk into this church or any other church. That I am not just going to an establishment, but I have been called out as a representative of his kingdom to come to this assembly to be the voice of my father. I just release that authority in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.